Hello, friends. Welcome back to your OELC Castle podcast. My name is Nathan Adams. Today I'm speaking with Paul Andre and Joe Morrison, two OELC alumni from 1980. Uh, they attended the OMLC, which was the uh, Ontario Music Leadership Centre, which was a course run at OELC specifically focused on uh, secondary music. Paul and Joe belong to a really extraordinary group of alumni, um, who 24 uh, leaders in total, two cabins worth, who uh, were paired up for that course in 1980 and have remained in contact uh, since then. And as such, I've been able to uh, tap into this group and uh, uh, started to invite various members uh, of them to come and speak with us. This provides us with a rare and fascinating opportunity to talk not just about the impact that OELC had on a group of people, but the impact um, that it continued to have. We hope when the young leaders come to OELC that they're going to make the kind of social connections that last, that they will find people that they can reach out to when they need support. And this is uh, an extraordinary uh, success story that uh, this level of connection could be achieved and maintained for over 40 years. Just a quick reminder that you can find all information about OELC's current programs and uh, alumni association uh, connections at the website www.oelccaso.com. And now I am pleased to present to you my interview with Paul and Joe. I'd like to welcome Paul Andre and Joe Morrison to our OELC CASO podcast today. Uh, gentlemen, thanks so much for joining me. I'm going to ask you to start off by telling us a little bit about yourselves and where you are living and working at the moment. I'm going to start with Joe so you don't both go at the same time. Sure. Well, I'm a software entrepreneur. I have an ed tech company that I've been building for the last few years. I'm living and working in Buffalo, New York. Uh, I've been super nomadic over the years, so I've only been living in Buffalo for six months, but so far, so good. Okay, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before that, let's see, where, where was I before that? New York, uh, Boston, Beijing. Um, those are those are most of them. <laughs> Got it. Okay, great. Paul, and, when you're uh, ready. And I'm, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a retiree from IBM Research. I, uh, my wife and I live in uh, the Hudson Valley, uh, Yorktown Heights, New York, about 40 miles north of New York City. And I've been retired uh, about a year. And before that, I was at research for about, um, you know, about 24 years and uh, working in, uh, actually, I worked in the clean room uh, most of the time. So I was the guy that, you know, you see the Intel Inside commercial with the guys in the bunny suits making chips. That's sort of what I did. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's great. So the two of you were um, at OALC, or more specifically OMLC, which is what they used to call the music course um, years ago, um, in 1980. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. That's a long, and, long time ago when you put it that way, but yeah. Well, I just want to make sure I've got it right. Where were you going to school when you were recommended for the program? And do you recall the teacher that recommended you? I'm going to start with Paul because I know he knows the answer to this question. <laughs> All right. Give Joe time to think about this. Um, yeah, I was uh, I was uh, living in Hamilton, Ontario, and uh, I went to St. John de Brebeuf uh, um, Secondary. And uh, I was just after grade 11, and it was uh, Janice Powell was my music teacher, Miss Powell. And she was fantastic, and she ran all of the music and the drama and uh, ran the pit band for all of the uh, – the, the plays and ran all the variety uh, nights. So she was anything to do with arts. It was her. And she's the one that uh, recommended me. Yeah. That's great. And, and Paul, I'm just curious, did she give you reasons as to why you were going or why she thought you were the right person for the job? No, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, we're actually, we had a really good uh, rapport. I was, I don't know. I played in every pit band and I was in almost all the productions and I helped her out with um 
uh, you know, uh, scoring music for different uh, instruments for, for, for things. And I, you know, I think it was just that I, she knew I was really into music and she also knew that I was a guitarist and I played in, 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 in a band in rock bands. And I, I knew, I think she just knew that I was very into music and, and fair enough. Okay. Joe, how about you? <laughs> well, I was at AY Jackson secondary school yeah. and I remember the, my two music teachers were Mr. Higgins and Terry Koish was the other guy. Mr. Higgins, I, I just, Mr. Higgins, I can't remember his first name, <laughs> but what, it would have been one of them who tapped me. And I was pretty involved in music at the time, but I know I wasn't the first choice because I remember they pulled me into the office and said, well, we chose this one person to go to OMLC, but they couldn't make it. So you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> so I said, I said, sure. So I was the number, I was the number two choice. One of the reasons that you're, um, that you're both here together is because you actually met at OALC. So um, who's going to flip the coin and tell the story of how you met? Or maybe we should hear both perspectives. I don't know. That's up to you. <laughs> well, Paul's got a better memory than me. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I think you should tell the story. Okay, Paul, you're okay. Okay. All right. I'll tell the story. Well, we actually, I mean, we, we, we theoretically, we all got in and we were in the cabin, you know, there's 12 new cabin uh, and our sister cabin had, had, had 12 girls, 12 boys in our cabin. And, and the first night I still, I remember it was like lights out and they said, you know, no talking after lights out and all that stuff. But of course, it's the first night. So it's all these voices talking and telling each other who they are and where they're from and what they play and telling jokes. And it was just, it was wild. Like from night one, it was fantastic. And so I actually knew Joey's voice. Joe had this great baritone voice, you know, even at 16. And I knew his voice even before I kind of like knew his face, honestly. Uh, is, but I think it was either the next morning or the morning after that. I went into the mess hall early in the morning it's, and before before breakfast, and I heard this music, and I recognized it, and it was Firth of Fifth by, uh, by Genesis, just, just classic, old, progressive, this fantastically complex bit, right? And I, I, I love Genesis, so I went, I went over, and I'm like, hey, it's Joe. It's Joe from my cabin. So I went right over him, and he had no music, and he was just, he's just playing it. And I said, Firth of Fifth, he goes, yeah, I lifted it. And I'm, you lifted that. <laughs> And I guess I was just so impressed, you know, that it was it was just music that I just loved. And I, I kind of knew at that moment that we would just be, I mean, we were obviously going to be friends, but I, I kind of had a feeling we'd be kind of friends forever after that. I don't know. It's a very strange feeling, but um, that's the time that I really, I think I really met Joe, you know. <laughs> now, Joe, I'm going to use you as fact check here. How, how are you feeling about that? Did that, that go, is that about right? Yeah, he pretty much told the story exactly right. Um, I remember <laughs> that first night too, and it was it was so much fun just telling jokes into the wee hours, and uh, uh, and then I remember also that musical meeting. Paul, of course, had the guitar, which is a lot more portable than the piano, and just like at different times during the music camp, I would see Paul playing like Doobie Brothers tunes and other Genesis tunes, and like. You know, so yeah, I think both of us knew we liked the same music. Um, we had complementary instruments. It was just destined to <laughs> to be a long friendship. Yeah. and that's great. I'm. I guess so. I'm gonna. I'm gonna expand the storytelling part of this to ask you um, to, if you can tell me a story or two from your time at OELC beyond beyond your meeting, and if you can try to express to me what made your experience so special. I know it's not always easy to quantify. Uh, but I'm hoping you might have a story to tell us. You, you, you want to go first here? I, I, think, I think it's Joe's turn. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll go first, but I don't have a story that's like necessarily charming or entertaining. But I mean, that's honestly, okay. you my, a couple like one of the memories that was really the strongest thing was um, 
just everybody's level of musicianship was so high. So we had all these like leadership courses, but every once in a while we would actually play music. And at one point he was like, all right, we're going to have a orchestra. They just passed out sheet music. And we just sat down and sight read a piece of music. And I mean, at school, normally when that happens, it's terrible. It sounds really, really bad. Yep. <laughs> and we junior sat down band, and like, with junior band. <laughs> <laughs> you can just picture what it sounds like. And it just right out of the gate, it sounded fantastic. And it was just such like a religious experience, almost just sitting down with all these strangers and putting out a piece of music that actually sounded good on the first try. I still remember that. Yes. Thank you. And Paul, do you have something to share with us? Yeah, well, it's kind of funny uh, because, um, yeah, I also recognize what Joe talked about, the fact that everybody was fantastic at sight reading, except for me, um, because the, <laughs> the band instrument I took to camp was clarinet, and I'm not a clarinet player. I mean, I, I was, I'm a guitarist, so... Uh, and we only had like sort of like two beat up altos and two beat up tenors at my school and everybody wanted to play them. So there was 20 flutes and 20 clarinets. So, you know, I had a clarinet and, uh, and <laughs> when I got there, I was seriously outgunned. I mean, everybody could sight read and they were fantastic. And when we sat down for band, I thought, oh no, this is not good. <laughs> but, but, but so as I was Joe casts his eyes across this landscape, everyone else is playing and Paul's just kind of staring at on his knee yeah. listening. I got it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, sort of, I'm sort of sitting in the back row going, please look away. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but the thing that I do remember is like bringing out the six string because I brought my six string. So, you know, thank God I did. So uh, one night we were just sitting with our sister cabin and there's about 24 of us hanging around and we're sitting around the, the front of our cabin. And I brought out the old six string and said, okay, you know, time to play, play what you really play. So I started playing, uh, actually I played Doobie Brothers Blackwater. And of course that song is a great honky tonk feel to it. And it's got like three or four parts to it. And almost everybody knows the song. And so everybody just kind of naturally started picking their parts out. And then when we got to the acapella part, you know, Joe was right in there, you know, uh, with, with the low part and uh, the ladies came in with, you know, I want to hockey talk with you all I know. It was fantastic. And so we, it, it, at the end of that, I think everybody really, um, I, I think we knew that we were all really going to be really good friends uh, that night because we kind of really got to meet everyone that night. I remember we sang a lot of songs together, but that's the one that I remember. And uh, yeah, yeah. Everybody sang along. It was great. That, that was amazing. <laughs> and more than made up for the clarinet. Oh my God. <laughs> clarinet gate. It was very clear. <laughs> clarinet gate. Sure, we're doing that now. You poor man showing up with your clarinet. Oh, well, that's all right. I know. I'm thinking of that old Larson cartoon. Was it the elephant sitting at the piano? Yes. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing here. For crying out loud, I'm a flute oh. player. <laughs> <laughs> or the one where the guy's sitting in the movie theater and everybody has a duck and it says, you know, just at the last moment before the movie, he realizes he, he forgot his duck. That was me. You know? Yeah, exactly. Well, fair enough. So you you alluded to the fact that you've made good connection with your cabin mates, but that's that's actually more true than I think I've ever heard of in terms of an OALC team. So um, yeah. through uh, because you it, it would appear that uh, through all of you, you've managed to stay in contact with is it twelve people? Is that how this worked, or is there twenty four? I'm not sure exactly. 12, 12 guys and twelve girls. Right. Yeah. So there's 24 so, so 20, twenty twenty four together, and at least two marriages right out of that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Was it and, I guess it was two, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. And from what I've been hearing from some of your your former cabin mates, there's been a lot of effort kept in terms of trying to stay in touch over time. So talk to me a little bit about that, about about how how it's managed to stay connected over the years. Well, I, I, there was a lot of effort in the so in the summer of 1980 when we went home, and in the uh, I'd say the subsequent three or four years, there was a lot of effort, and there were a lot of reunions, and uh, and uh, they uh, often would take place. There was a, there were a few real uh, social connectors um, in in our sister cabin. Paula McDonald is one that I remember, and we used to just descend on her parents' basement. You know, <laughs> <laughs> would be like nearly all of us. Um, it, it's amazing, you know, we had people from Sudbury. Um, uh, Woodstock, uh, KW, the Niagara region, Hamilton, Toronto, it, all over. And uh, we descend, you know, on uh, Paul McDonald's parents' basement and uh, put on the Genesis records and Peter Gabriel and sing along and tell stories. And and uh, it was, I mean, we for years we, we did that. And we stayed in contact for I, for many years, um, up until, I guess, the uh, the early uh, university years. And then whenever we had moved, when we, when we moved on to university, we had some university reunions and people came to those and uh, Joe and Drew and I, Drew was another guy uh, who, who played tuba actually uh, in, uh, he was in our cabin. So the three of us lived off campus the first year at uh, uh, Waterloo and uh, his, his future wife, Mary Catherine from our sister cabin also went there for kinesiology and uh, they were together in the UW years and they got married, I think in third year. So uh yeah, a lot of us, a lot of us ended up at university together and we just naturally hung out. So we kind of kept it going, you know, for, for And of course, years. with the OMLC marriage, they commissioned a, a tune, which you and I wrote. Oh, yes. Ah. For that for their, for their wedding. So that was our gift. Oh, I see. I haven't heard this part of the story yet. So I guess the question is, is, is there a recording still alive of this particular tune? <laughs> is it available? <laughs> I don't think it was recorded. Oh, okay. Was I don't think we ever, that's not big three, is it, Joe? No, it's a different one, is it? No, um, no. but I, f I feel like if I go hunting, I've, there's probably a lyrics written somewhere. Yeah, we, we also we also wrote one for a third reunion, which wasn't for Drew and Mary Catherine, um, and we called that big three. <laughs> it was some huge accomplishment that we'd been friends for three years, and now it's 42 years later. But, <laughs> I know three seemed like a long time at the time. And yeah, well, like, uh, three years that's fair for that many people trying to stay connected. That's pretty impressive. I mean, one of OELC's primary functionalities is to not just provide um, resiliency and perseverance training, but to also put like-minded students in touch with one another. That's sort of the point. And although I can say with great um, authority that people remember their OELC experience, and they love their OELC experience, they often have one or two people they've hung on to. The idea that a connection could live in a community like that for that long is truly inspiring. It's one of the reasons that I asked you to come on today to talk to us about all of this because it's quite something. It was more than just a great experience. I mean, it was life-changing. It was yeah. life-defining. You know, like that place, there's some magic happened there that I think like billiard balls set us all going off in different directions. That's um, yeah, what a community. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, it was for nine days in June in 1980. I mean, the, the effect was was profound. Um, and, and in fact, when I got off the bus in, in Toronto uh, to meet my, my folks who came down from Hamilton to pick me up and I got off the bus when we left that day, um, the 22nd of June, still remember. And uh, we went to a cafe and they just said, well, so how was it? And I said, it was the best experience I'd ever had to my up to that point in my life. Uh, it's 
difficult to explain why. I know I've made connections there that are going to be, you know, with me for life. It was formative. Um, it was just the it was just the best thing ever. And I I said that like immediately, like in real time. And and that's I think that's rare, you know, after you know when you after uh, living a, a little bit longer, uh, much longer, but nearly five times longer, I guess, um, you start to, you start to realize the the amount of times that happens in life, right? That where you in at that time and place, and you actually said that was fantastic, that was important. I really know this right now. I don't even have to think about it. It's obvious to me. It doesn't really happen that much in my experience. Well, I was just going to say, I, I didn't want to take the conversation in a different direction, but I, I don't know if it still works this way, but I thought one of the ingredients that was so interesting was not knowing a single person there. You know, so you go there you're, and it's a complete reset. You know, whatever relationships you have, whatever you know, challenges you have or, you know, patterns you're in, you start over with a new group of people in a new context where you're able to actually interact and you have things in common. And I think that's, that was one of the elements that made it work so well, I think. Uh, in this context, we still do have a few students who, we do have students who will come who know each other because we are still being make, making uh, recommendations from other uh, from the same educational institution, but it's not usually all that many. Usually, as they say, it's the OELC kids who are going. And so they don't take it personally. We also make darn sure they're not in the same cabin. So yeah, you might wave at your friend across the hall. You might be in program with them briefly. That's about it. So no matter what, your reset is still pretty solid. Still pretty close, <laughs> it's not, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not exactly what you experienced because that's not really how it works anymore. But fundamentally, yeah, it's still very easy for you to go, nope, I am here on my own. I am doing this myself. So since we're talking about um, all of this, OELC's primary mission is to develop resilience and leadership skills in young people, as well as a few other things we discussed. And I feel like you've talked a lot about um, how it felt to be there, but what do you feel you took away from your time there? And I'm going to start with Joe because I think Paul went first last time. Sure. Well, I mean, I I remember a lot of what we talked about for you know leadership. I, I remember even stupid little things like, you know, sitting and like not hunching up, but like looking people squarely in the face when you're like trying to have a conversation with them and, and not judging too quickly. And I don't know, there's a bunch of stuff. Um, but I, I went to camp thinking of myself as sort of a maladjusted nerdy kid, just to be honest. <laughs> and I left thinking uh, maybe more than that. You know, I, I actually, a bunch of strangers liked me, you know, when I pushed the reset button, I actually had an environment where I was successful. Um, I had a toolkit of things I could do when I was engaging with people, you know, looking people in the eye and speaking clearly. And um, so I kind of started leading right away. Like I ended up running clubs at my school afterward. I ended up being valedictorian. I ended up, and that's run with, I mean, I've started a couple of companies now and I'm, I'm really comfortable now in that role of leadership. And now I look for it in other people and I want to help instill it in people. And, you know, the tracing that roots back to OMLC is like an easy attribution. You know, if I had not had that experience, I do not know what kind of life I would have had, but it would have been very different. That's, well, how about you? that's funny. I would, you know, the one word I would say was confidence. And that's, it's, it's, it's really funny because for every story we have, we have one really big difference and then one, a huge similarity and my big difference is i don't remember anything from the <laughs> <laughs> like, 
I don't remember, you know, one really well-placed point. I remember we had them. Um, what I remember <laughs> is, you know, you go to high school and the first two years weren't that great. And grade 11 was getting a little bit better. I, you know, I was getting, I was getting better at tennis and I was really focusing on guitar and I joined a rock band. So, you know, when you're a teenager, you're starting to feel your power in certain uh, places, but you know, let's face it, you know, um, you know, when, when we're good at math and science and you play Euchre at lunch and you don't, you're not on a lot of team sports, <laughs> you're hugely from sort of the nerdy background. And it, it just, it just seems like the, the arts and the music program is where, you know, all of us, you know, you know misfits ended up. Um, and so, like Joe said, you go to this other place where, okay, everybody has this common background, but it's all new. You hit reset, you start again. And instead of maybe, um, you know, being like our high school where, you know, some, some people are just don't want to be there. Um, so, uh, you know, some, uh, some people are there to, you know, excel in certain areas and don't tolerate other people so well. And you go to this place where magically you have this one thing in common, or ostensibly this one thing in common, which is music, but you find out all these other <laughs> wonderful things. And there are these very social people and they're very friendly and very inclusive, you know, and you're like, wow, this is, this is fantastic. You know, it's, you know, there's hundreds of people, you know, that kind of feel like me and, and it makes it super easy to make solid connections. And when, you know, when I came back from, it, I said, Hey, you know, it's not like a tiny little group of people, a subset of people. Um, there's literally hundreds and thousands of people out there that, you know, that, that kind of feel are the same way I do and are interested in the same things I'm interested in. And it just made me confident. Right. And, it, you know, in terms of leadership, I don't know, does it teach you to lead or maybe not to follow? I, I don't know if that's the same thing. But when I came back, I was like, I'm happy the way I am. You know, I've got lots of I got lots of friends and I I like the things that I'm doing. And, you know, I don't need to go off in a certain direction. I like what I'm doing. And I I don't know. That's that's how I feel. And a lot of the programming, even to this day, focuses really specifically on getting to know how to be your best self and how to interact with people in the best way you can. And so in Joe's case, he decided that that was going to lead him in a direction where he was going to specifically be leading something. That's fine. And Paul, in your case, you came to a confident spot where you knew who you were. That's Both of those are 100% on the OELC goal list. The point is that you get to go somewhere, have this phenomenal experience where you're pulling from everybody else's um, energy and realizing that you do belong and what that leads to is okay. And we to this day, we still talk a lot about, um, how we lead in different ways. We have different methodologies we talk about, but you're talking about just different ways in which, in way, which we lead and whether, whether or not it's from the front or from the middle is sort of irrelevant. That's yeah. you're both, you're both being prime examples of what that looks like when people leave from, from OLC, they take away what they can. And we hope they're going to take away a few people that they, they care about. You've done a phenomenal job of that. And then also um, this this piece of confidence or more accurately, some sense that of who, who you really are. And right being in the middle of being a teenager, that's when you have that opportunity to realize that it is okay to be this person. Despite some setbacks and challenges due to the pandemic, OELC is continuing to offer programming to youth, um, to our youth leaders uh, this year that we have a few courses running, hopefully more next year. Why do you feel it is important they continue this work? Well, I, I could go on for this question for a while. I mean, the first the first answer that comes to my mind is like Canada needs, this is good for the country, you know, to, to create people who, to, to help people find their best selves, to, to create well-adjusted people who I think are, decent percentage of whom are going to actually be leaders um, 
I think Canada needs that. You know, I the first thing that comes into my mind is like, I wish it could be available to everybody, not just like a handful of people, you know, and maybe not just in Canada, you know, like there's so many skills got developed. I don't know. I feel like it's a, it's a, a program that rescues people. You know, it's, it's, it's important. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd be very disappointed to ever hear if it were cut, were cut back. And I, the, the entrepreneur side of my brain is thinking maybe I could franchise this. <laughs> <laughs> they, should, they, they should, they should do this everywhere. They should, they should do this everywhere. <laughs> Fair enough. Paul? I, I think just when, when, when I look at the people that we went, you know, we were 16 years old and I look at some of the, just the careers and the lives and the impact of the people in our cabin and our sister cabin have had, um, uh, it just, it proves the merit of it. I mean, we, you know, one of our sister cabin is, the, is the, one of the former most uh, cave divers in the world. If, you know, just a very rare skill, but just, just has been in National Geographic and other things, um, you know, you know, Joe had a couple of companies and went to MIT and th this other uh, kid that was in our, uh, became, I became friends with um, a guy from St. Catharines. He, he was one of us who didn't go to university right away. He, for a year he worked, I think he worked at a record shop and uh, he was kind of like just a little disaffected with that. And uh, we said, Hey man, you know what, you're a smart guy, you know, what do you want to do in life? He said, well, you know, Maybe I'll go to maybe I'll go to school. So a year later, I think he he went into chemical engineering, and he, he ended up at Caltech, and then a, a jet propulsion lab. Of you know, so you know, <laughs> did okay. And a lot of a lot of people just ended up just having really really fine lives and make having real impact and having really interesting careers. Another guy worked for the uh, organization Economic Cooperation and Development, and had this wonderful life living in multiple countries, and. Uh, uh, I, I don't know. Just when I see what what people ended up doing, I, I, it, it just proved the merit of it, you know. So that, to That's me, great. yeah. And that wraps up um, our interview for uh, this episode. I want to thank you all for being such stalwart listeners and for uh, tolerating the occasional gaps in programming. Uh, this uh, summer, I have a few episodes already set up to go. Uh, we have our annual bilingual episode coming up very soon, so that means we post one episode in English and one in French uh, with the same guest and uh, I also have um, an episode coming up where I'm recording directly from an OELC course for the first time uh, since 2019 that's very exciting so please stay tuned for that and uh, thank you for your time today a uh, quick reminder that OELC is uh, happily taking donations for their bursary program which allows students that might not otherwise be able to attend an OELC course you can find that information at www.oelccaso.com Take care and I'll speak with you soon.